Hooray, hurrah. Once again, the smartest man in the world, Proofcast, takes to the ether, this time from the salubrious confines of the Porpoise of Fruititude, located right here in Lower California. And we're having a celebration. That's right. The illegal and improper 45th president of the United States is being impeached officially this week, and we couldn't be happier. Hi, Jennifer. Hi. How are you? Good. Last night, uh, Hillary Clinton called him... uh, she said, this is uh, the moment of reckoning, and I'm very grateful to Speaker Pelosi for her leadership, and she called him a human tornado of corruption. They go celebrate and have a good time. The human tornado of corruption. Oh, my God. This has been the most uplifting week in the world. Last week, I was in Canada, and I was standing on the street in Toronto, and I called Jennifer, and it was right after um, the very, very first news broke of the letter, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, rather, the memo and the phone call between um, him and uh, the president of the Ukraine, Zelensky. And things of... The memo that they themselves released. Yes. uh, The timeline... Which incriminates them. It's fantastic. He's self-impeaching, as Nancy Pelosi (laughs) said. He's provided all evidence of his own um, for what the thousand-page Mueller report could not do, which was move public opinion, sway the media, and convince everybody that this guy is a human tornado of corruption. Including, as of now, three Republicans have uh, stepped forward and said they are for an impeachment inquiry. What have I got? Two governors and yeah, a congressperson uh, from Nevada? From Nevada, yes. Oh, and the Texan who sits on the um, uh, uh, um, Judiciary Committee is also going to retire. And so I think he's, um, I believe the word is politically liberated. Uh, so it's a very exciting time. It really is. It's been a lot of fun. The timeline goes a little bit like this. Um, he was illegally elected um, through suppression and um, deals with the Russians' collusion and media and a white backlash uh, supremacy. And then uh, he made this phone call. Then he released the memo. And now we're impeaching him. The timeline runs a little bit like that. Uh, just uh, a couple of hours ago, the Secretary of State, Pompeo, was subpoenaed. Is that what he is? I thought he was like some psycho Christian that had wandered <laughs> well, that into the party too. to eat the that, donuts off the tray but, or whatever. He, he can hide in the herd in that case. Oh, my God. Um, when you hear him speak, you can't believe that he has a position of authority, much less that he's the, the, the Secretary of State. And he's not the... Is he the acting? No, he's the official Secretary yeah, of State. Yeah. It's Mulvaney, Mulvaney that's the acting... So he was subpoenaed by the House Foreign Affairs Committee, and that's uh, the chairman of his angle. But um, our friend... Uh, and uh, Representative Ted Liu is on that committee, as is Joaquin Castro, who now has a beard to distinguish himself from his twin. Awesomely, Julian. MSNBC uh, uh, mixed him up the other, yesterday. Uh, Julian, who's running for president, is not uh, sitting in the Congress. Um, his brother Joaquin is. They ran a picture of Joaquin and called him Julian. And then Joaquin said, do I have to get a face tattoo to show you? And then Julian awesomely wrote, I'm the, not the one with the ugly beard. So... We're keeping our spirits up around here, and uh, democracy's running rampant, and I think that's what's driving everyone so crazy. Um, uh, 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 you know, the, 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 the gigantic noise machine that insists that nothing's ever wrong uh, as long as um, Mitch McConnell sleeps in a, you know, a coffin lined with gold and the, the baby's blood spills in the streets and that there's always, you know, an eternal uh, graft funnel. Things are moving a little quick. Uh, today, also, there was the report um, about... The NRA being a foreign agent. Yes, interesting, wasn't it? It was a yeah. it was it, it was a it was a congressional report, and um, it was written by Republicans and Democrats. And the Democrats um, completely came down on the side that Mary Butina and her um, you know group ilk running pack uh, had been absolutely uh, foreign tools uh, for the IRA and help promoting them. Well, and the Republicans actually said that they didn't see any evidence of that. So it's just extraordinary what you can see when you're looking at... It's very hard for them to find things. You know, you look at an elephant, and you, I see the tail, and you see the trunk. They, they said yesterday that they hadn't read mm. the memo. About 10 because, of them said they hadn't read You know, read the memo. it's hard to read a short men- memo when you're on the go. You know, well, you might have to go to, you know, get groceries or something, and a coffee. That could take hours. They're not the most tech-savvy group that's ever walked out of the face of the earth. And no, uh, obviously, uh, Chuck Grassley's busy all day. Who has time to re- uh, read a five-page memo that you could read in about, oh, I don't know. Someone put it yesterday. They read it while they were walking. <laughs> um, no. It's- also, uh, 
45 met with the head of the NRA to ask them to fund his a defense on the impeachment. Well, that was today, right? Yes. And they spent $8 million uh, making an ad that came out today that I'm not going to play you because you're going to see it in TV all weekend. And by the way, things are running so fast. By the time this drops and you'll be listening to Jennifer and I uh, and this porpoise, he'll have already been impeached and we'll have a new president. So I have no guarantees about... Uh, well, yesterday, Maxine Waters, uh, the wonderful representative from California, from the L.A. area, said that she thought it was going to take weeks. Yeah. And that's pretty quick. We're on hyperdrive now. We're not just on hyperdrive. You know, um, Jennifer's quite young and she doesn't remember this, but I remember <laughs> Watergate and um, Bill Clinton and those impeachments and uh, what happened with Gerald Ford and the whole thing. And the Nixon one dragged out for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And the public never really got swinging until the very end. And by the way, Watergate, if you watch Rachel Maddow, as I'm sure some of you do, was a, a wide-ranging investigation. They did not focus on one thing. Mm-hmm. And after the Mueller report... This uh, memo and this conversation of the, the conversation and the memo of the conversation are like manna because it allows um, Congress to focus real closely on one terrible incident of horrible um, uh, of bribery, coercion, um, tampering with an election, and asking a foreign power to in, mm-hmm. uh, interfere in and our then the cover up, hiding it cover up. on a, on the top secret system, which is supposed to accommodate. The the very most uh, high priority top secret information apparently one percent of what's classified goes onto this system. Holy smokes! And, How many people's not? Nobody. Uh, well, no. Apparently, right. the White House counsel, well, the the White House lawyer, there are uh, uh, several people yeah. who work at the White House. Well, this is where they stuff the information that they're trying to suppress. Yeah. Was on that server. What a poor idea. And then what a poor idea to hand over. Nixon handed over false transcripts. Nixon stalled, waffled, belittled, berated. No. (laughs) He had to be compelled by the courts to finally hand over the transcripts that that had any truth in them. And he also, uh, for your information, I know a lot of you are young, acted the same way toward the press that uh, 45 did. He completely said that they were lying for a year and a half. Thank God Nixon didn't have Twitter. Oh my God! Because imagine the drunk. So I was going to say, talk about be some exciting. Instead of talking to the painting of of Lincoln, he would be drunk tweeting. Oh God damn it! William Henry Harrison, you died after one month, you lucky son of a bitch. I have to sit here night after night and listening to these nattering nabobs of negativism. Go on about me that if I have to hear Huckley Brinkley one more time, I'm going to... Yeah, he talk about drunk tweeting, because Nixon awesomely would get hammered and um, talk to the portraits of the, painter, of the presidents on the walls. Mm-hmm. Um, Trump doesn't know who they are. No. Except for Andrew Jackson, because Andrew Jackson was his favorite uh, cruel slave owner. The difference, as we've discussed on the show, is Andrew Jackson actually possessed, within all of his other cantankerousness, anger, fury, and slave owning, he was a courageous person. He had a backbone and a spine. Now, mind you, he he bore grudges on enemies like few presidents. Except for this one. Yeah. Mm. Um, Republicans in disarray. (laughs) <laughs> they said in a week, since the, since the shit hit the fan a week ago, and by the way, this is like the Cole Porter song, Have You Heard It's in the Stars, also, This July We Collide with this, Mars. This uh, afternoon, we found out that Giuliani was going to accept a paid gig uh, at a Kremlin-sponsored event until it was discovered and he had to cancel Oh, because he might be <laughs> talking to in front of some... Uh, Prosecutors. By that then. wouldn't uh, uh, that wouldn't have anything to do with Thomas Cook, the the travel agency breaking down and his plans getting stuffed in the <laughs> the I'm a corrupt lawyer with weird scraggly teeth who goes on TV and screams and yells and calls people idiots at the top of my voice and haven't had a practice in a long time and was once a prosecutor of some effect in it's New York. Im- almost impossible to remember that, isn't it? Weird too that we find out today that um, the Attorney General Barr, whose father, of course. Hired Jeffrey Epstein at a private high school in New York. Under what um, what kind of credentials did Jeff Epstein have? When, Almost none. When um, Barr senior, he, he didn't have a college degree. Huh. Interesting. Interesting. The, the Attorney General uh, William Barr is right now in Italy. We don't know why. Oh, that's so convenient. Come back to Sorrento. It's <laughs> such a great time to visit Italy. You know when the best time is? When the peaches are ripening. The impeaches. They yeah. hang so lightly from the trees and you can smell them wafting in the breeze. And it's just a, it's a great time when you look like droopy dog and you're as corrupt as can possibly be. And not only is he named in the conversation 
Um, the Ukraine president is basically ordered to talk to Giuliani and Barr. Um, he says it a zillion times. Mm-hmm. I've read the redacted memo. I've read the other memo. Um, I read the disco mix memo, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> I also read the edible memo, which tastes uh, like um, impeachment. Thank you. I've worked that over so many times that please don't switch. Please don't switch to another podcast. Please. Marin shitty this week. Um, so... Uh, there, here's a headline for you. The Trump Zelensky readout is a devastating indictment of our president. And then, of course, um, if you ask a bunch of uh, senators, they'll say, oh, I haven't read it yet. Well, why would you want to read anything um, that uh, would inform you about what was going on with the government? I, I bet we see a lot more uh, retirements happening next week. Oh, my God. We're up to 20-something now, right? Um, uh, no, I believe it's over 40. Oh, is it over 40? We're not going to go for uh, another election. The rats are leaving the sinking ship, and they're yeah. leaving it in um, droves. The Congress is leaking, um, yeah. is hemorrhaging on con- uh, Congress people. Why was Kushner in McConnell's office today? That was yesterday. Oh, that was yesterday. Right, because we're because McConnell's um, having to make the decisions that are coming up in the next few weeks, which is, do I roll with this guy, or do I try to <laughs> cut my losses and try to keep control of the Senate? He is running against, um, who is it in uh, Kentucky? Oh, is that... A- a- it's the uh, the fighter pilot, um, and uh, she's famously uh, running against uh, Mitch McConnell in Kentucky, and that's in 2020 as well. Mm-hmm. Also, he's old. Lindsey Graham is up for re-election next in uh, South Carolina next year. Um, it's very exciting uh, how vulnerable the whole situation is. Miss Sally, Mark Kelly is uh, the uh, astronaut. Yeah, Mark Kelly, uh, who is uh, notably an, uh, was an astronaut and uh, the husband of Gabby Giffords is running against uh, McSally, who, by the way, was appointed set to the Senate yeah. because John McCain died. So she ran an election against uh, Kirsten Sinema, Simonon, Kirsten Sinema, Kirsten Sinema, Simona, <laughs> and then um, when she was drubbed by Simona, Simona, uh, she was appointed. Yeah. So she won anyway. It's one, uh, terribly unfair. Also, McSally is one of those weird conundrums wrapped inside a riddle wrapped inside of why do women um, have Stockholm syndrome for survival really? obviously the patriarchy, I, I, I'm answering right? my own, yes the patriarchy that noise you just heard was the patriarchy <laughs> grinding us down um, the reason uh, uh, because she was she's a distinguished veteran McSally and she also came out and said she was um, sexually uh, abused in the military and then refuses to go along with anything that helps women which is that unbelievable white privilege um, patriarchy mm-hmm. chain that we all kind of drag around with us like uh, Scrooge. Mm-hmm. The fact that people will vote against their own interests simply that they'll feel better. The fact that women will vote against other women. Um, the fact that men will basically do anything to crush anyone and then they'll sit around and laugh. Um, if you haven't read any of these things, you don't have to because they're going to get hashed over. Until the end of time. But you know what is fun is going back to May and watching Kamala Harris uh, grill William Barr. And uh, when he stumbles over, I think he says, I I am having trouble with the word suggest. Mm -hmm. And uh, Senator Harris leans in and says, uh, maybe uh, inferred. Hinted, implied. Yeah. <laughs> and Cory Booker is sitting next to her and he just starts smirking. And it's, uh, she's fantastic because Barr was, was so unsettled by her. Oh, Cor- Cory Booker always has the best takes behind anyone who's going for it. And he always is post up next to Kamala at the hearings. Um, Barr not only stumbles, he seems like he's incapable of holding a job at a convenience store, much less being the attorney general. He goes at one point, bub, 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 and then he doesn't seem to understand anything she's saying. Part of this, I think, stems from two things. One, these guys, um, unbelievable arrogance in the face of the law. That Corey Landowski, I'm going to come in here, that uh, Kavanaugh, I'm going to act like a frat bro. Um, I have all the privilege you can't get me. And secondly, when women are speaking to them, women who have power. Women of color. And then women of color. That when Bill, I don't think Bill Barr has had a black woman come at him like that with prosecutorial questions with, in his with entire on. with his entire life and he he, he said he, there was no um, investigation he was lying mm-hmm. he lied straight mm-hmm. up mm-hmm. and so they're going to subpoena him well he was groomed for this position because 45 was looking for his personal Roy Cohn where's my Roy Cohn where's my Roy Cohn gotta have a cone 
Roy is Al Pacino going to play? No. Roy Cohn? No, he did play Roy Cohn. I was going to say, James Woods played Roy Cohn in the TV movie. And Al Pacino <laughs> played um, uh, um, Dr. Kevorkian. He, play, he played Roy Cohn in Angels Oh, that's America. right. He played him in Angels in America. Yeah. I was confused. You're right. He, you're, he so did. Yeah. Oh, my God. Roy Cohn. You guys, you're too young to remember. Let's, well, I don't have time for Roy Cohn today. No. Um, but his, well, let me just say this. His horrible, um, mangy ghost uh, is wearing a blue suit and looking down on this. Mm-hmm. And tears of joy are dripping from his vitriolic, venomous eyes. You know what Hillary was doing last night? No, go on. She was being given the Lifetime Achievement Award at NARAL's 50th anniversary dinner. And what an important thing that is, because that's the National Abortion Rights Action League. Um, And her speech is fantastic. You can see it online. Oh, by the way, you can go online and see Kamala Grill Bar. And I think it's up to... Six million. Six million views today, but it's Friday when we're recording. So by the time this goes out, it'll be 272 million. And it'll be the most tremendous, staggering thing of all time. Everybody's talking about it. Everybody's talking mm-hmm, about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I love that um, you can read the papers and nothing in the paper seems to reflect reality. This week a little more than usual, but her prosecutorial um, stint, uh, uh, stints against um, Jeff Borgard Sessions and Bill Barr are two shining moments of her Sessions, being a sitting senator. Sessions it, said what? You make me nervous? You make me nervous. It, it's a real good. good chance to see her up against icky, ugly, stonewalling white guys and um, who are Nazis. And I think that it's, it can, it's only helping her uh, campaign. And yet you'd think that that wouldn't help at all. Uh, by the way, some people look at everything around here. Um, let's see here. Uh, this is from the Washington Post. This is one thing I read. And then we're going to uh, ramble on. Because as you know... This is going to go uh, so quickly, uh, the whole process. Your head will be spinning from the... Uh, uh, it seemed like everything was stalled and sluggish. But Nancy Pelosi has been waiting, uh, lying in wait, um, like all... She's a master. Well, as you know, all big cats the are matriarchies. The, <laughs> this week, she uh, spoke at um, Representative Clyburn's wife's funeral. Mm-hmm. She uh, gathered together the six heads of the six committees, uh, got the articles of impeachment together, yes. got the majority vote. She carefully had Sharice Davids, who's the, the first uh, Native American, uh, or one of t- the first two Native American representatives right, with in Congress. Holland. Right. She cast the deciding majority vote since then there's been more people right. that made it to 218 which was the simple exactly majority. but everything she's done has been so she as she said she was letting him self-impeach they knew over time that there would just be more and more crimes uh, and also letting the the public catch up to this and uh and now here we are and it's going very quickly indeed and uh Kamala Harris said it would be weeks. Maxine Waters says uh, we're going to move as quickly as we possibly can. Funny how they're all back on TV. Funny also, uh, uh, the uh, P- Pelosi took a phone call. Um, Monday night, Jennifer and I went to the Kamala Harris rally here in Los Angeles at the World Turn. Um, and Kamala Harris said uh, that, that we need to impeach him. Tuesday morning. And she said, uh, here's my list. She said, there's so oh, yeah. many reasons. Oh, no. she and did. she picked up a piece of paper and read from it. Also, she had an awesome playlist at yeah. Front, Greg. Yeah, there was uh, nothing It was kind fu- of your favorite. Well, it was my kind of music. It was, if you come to a Who's Live show, uh, and I guess you know the big news this week is that our website changed from whoslivealanyway.com to whoslive.com. I know I wanted to get in the way of the, you know, let's not bury the lead here. <laughs> I know she played uh, funky mouse music. She had a DJ and the whole enchilada, and it was quite good. Um, but Tuesday morning, it was revealed that uh, 45 called uh, Pelosi at her office in the morning. Uh-huh. And she was already aware that she was going to drop the boom at 5 o'clock that afternoon and announce the formal impeachment proceedings, which everyone's been waiting for. And the liberal blue check Twitterverse has been going bananarama for. Uh, people have been freaking out and saying Pelosi's a tool of Russia, that she should resign, all this. And she was biding her time. And then the document came, the day came. Well, the, she wasn't st- biding her time. There's been... Oh, no, all actively these, gathering information. But all of these investigations have 
been going on. Yes, well, maybe biding its time was a poorly chosen <laughs> phrase. She's been not, and also to, or yesterday she was fighting for uh, gun safety laws. Oh, yeah. In the midst of all of this other... Oh, and today we're trying to close the border, that horrible emergency at the border. We're trying yes. to get that revoked. Yes. Well, to misquote you, she's been storing information in Adam Schiff's cheeks for the last... His hamster his cheeks. His hamster cheeks for the last <laughs> year and a half. And came the time to break it all out. So 45 rang her and said, as he always does because he's a gangster, is there something we can work out? Because he knew the... the um, the mayor was going to hit the he spinning wheels. He actually did that. Yes, he called her because it broke last week. What, seven? Well, I don't know how many days ago. Seven now, is it? No, ten. And uh, he said he knew that by Friday last week because people were freaking out then. Yes. And we all knew that Monday comes the big dawn and it didn't happen on Tuesday. Um, he called and said, can we work something out? And she said, yeah, here's what we can work out. Tell your people to stop doing <laughs> illegal things. And she hung up the phone and said, I'm busy. I've got meetings. Yeah, I've got an impeachment yeah. inquiry to write up. Then she announced the impeachment uh, that afternoon, which he was most assuredly watching. And he's been having a meltdown since then. And when I say Republicans in disarray, every story coming out um, of the White House is that they weren't ready for this. They didn't know it was going to happen. They have no plan of attack. And that he... Well, they've never w- done anything legal. I, no. I, I love that Adam Schiff said, I'm always flattered when I'm attacked by someone of the president's character. Because he's great? been calling him names on Twitter. And, and Representative Schiff is such a dignified, intelligent person that we're lucky to have this team that's assembled... He's from right here in our, uh, quite near uh, where we live in Los Angeles. He's over on... Uh, right, he's one over from Ted Lieu. He's one over from Ted Lieu in districts. And look at the, uh, Adam Schiff from California, Maxine Waters from California, mm-hmm. Kamala Harris from California, and Nancy Pelosi from California. Mm-hmm. Kind of uh, leading the charge here. Yes, there's Nadler and Engel and all the other awesome people and uh, many groovy, groovy people on all the committees, if you get to see Val Demings, who was the well, woman I'm, you were talking about the other day who was the massive education? Well, exactly. I mean, when you think of, of some of the vile people on the Republican side, like uh, Jim Jordan, for instance, <laughs> who can't form sentences, Terry Sewell, who is a, a, an African-American woman, she was born in Selma. She went to Princeton, Oxford, and Harvard Law School. Mm-hmm. She's, she represents Alabama. She's one of the congresspeople from Alabama. Um, her questioning was pointed and deft, crafty, and um, belied that. I love what uh, Val Deming said. What do you call Giuliani? The fixer? Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> well, uh, you've been saying it's a it bad in, Sopranos episode. It's been true. Yeah, it is. It's been true all week. One, if only James Gandolfini was alive to read the memo aloud. And two, <laughs> that when you watch these hearings, they prove one thing. When you saw McGuire. Um, from the DNI get grilled the other day. And he, by the way, stammered as much as I've ever seen anyone oh, stammer. Yes. And yet had a shred more integrity than everyone else we've seen get up there because um, after Landowski, I was ready well, to I throw think the he television. Knows how how uh, deeply and horribly wrong what they've done. He's the only person I can say in two years that's actually done the right thing in this administration and then faced some of the consequences by coming in front of Congress and saying this is a bad situation here. And the whistleblower, it's what a a brave thing to do. And then to have the illegitimate president basically suggest execution Mm. the very next day. Because that's how we deal with spies around here. And then the New York Times blowing it and trying to... Uh, finger them as well. It's not easy being a whistleblower. As you know, um, uh, uh, reality winner is in jail. Uh, uh, lots of times when you blow the whistle on the U.S. government, they don't want to listen to you. They want to jail you. And there's lots of laws. Well, that- in, a, in another regard, uh, what happened with Christine Blasey Ford when she tried to come forward and... Uh, help the country. Which was one year to this day yes. that we're recording that she said it's indelibly etched in the hippocampus. They're laughing at me. And um, women are, as you know, to be squashed and ignored and let Lindsey Gam have a rage fit and then um, basically shout them down uh, until white privilege can maintain its toehold and uh, get back on track again, which seems to be the way everything's been running in this country. What I wanted to say was what you said, been saying to me all week, Watching the hearings and seeing uh, Sewell and Demings uh, and uh, Adam Schiff, whatnot, screams that we need to reorient the whole representation of the United States. We can't have uh, 
the exactly. same class of we Jim Jones to, and Matt We Gaines. have to see 50% women. We have to see people of color. We have to see disabled people. Everyone has to be represented. When you see these hearings, these gatherings, uh, whether it's the UK or mm. here, um, the, the whiteness and the maleness is pretty, pretty awful. Yeah, and so many of them are awesomely white supremacist, um, awesomely um, misogynist, just sort of openly, screamily, shoutily, not in possession of any facts, a lot of obfuscating, a lot of yelling and rallying and using sort of crappy talking points that don't stand up at all. No one can argue in a legal, logical, um, methodical sense. No one can debate like grown-ups well, using they're evidence. Not, they're not question. If you have a mediocre boys club, mm-hmm. you get to support each other's mediocrity. You get Jim Jordan in the Congress, Brett Kavanaugh in the Supreme Court, and Orange 45 and Mike Pence in the White House when you have a mediocre uh, patriarchy built on white supremacy. But <laughs> there you are. Anyway, we had a great time at the Kamala <laughs> Uh, we got to meet her. Rally, and we got to meet her ever she, so briefly. She was really charming, and ahead of us uh, was a mother and her two little sons, I would say six and seven, and Kamala spent a long time talking to them, and they were enwrapped. Uh, it was really, it was lovely to see. It's so wonderful to see someone who's um, magic with children, whose face lit up when she saw them, who um, relates to every single person they speak to, um, who's kind and attentive, intelligent, considered, um, um, empathetic, mm-hmm. and um, a- a- laughs easily, and is actually witty and funny because she's so smart, mm-hmm. um, and yeah. she's good looking. Oh, very. But, the I mean, woman next to us in line uh, is a mother of two and uh, had canvassed for Hillary, Right, and uh, when she was in... Uh, in line, Kamala was just so deferential to her and, and, uh, you know, just, she has a way with people. She was encouraging every single person who came up to do what they were going to do and do better. She actually listened to their story and then encouraged them to do better. She thanked me for my enthusiasm. Yes. I mean, she's just, and, and she's just so gracious. And then when she gets on stage, um, she was dancing. Oh yeah. Uh, and she, but she has the goods. She has all of you know, what what she wants to put into play, and it's fantastic. I couldn't be happier with her, uh, her the roster of the things that she wants to accomplish. No, it's all about uh, women's rights, um, gun control, mm-hmm. um, uh, restaging the economy, health care, mm-hmm. Im- important things. That, well, the, I know she calls it the 3 a.m. agenda, but that's right. the truth, the things that you wake up in the middle of the night. I was just thinking about the timbre and tone of... When you watch a 45 rally, there's a lot of grievance. There's a lot of invective. There's a lot of false things repeated over and over again. There's the same story about people coming up to him and crying. People often come up to him and cry that don't cry, that mm-hmm. they're too macho to cry. And they're always, everyone calls him sir in every story he tells. He even said at the United Nations. Right. When Daniel Dale has noted that when he's lying about a story, he says that someone comes up and calls him sir. It always starts with sir. This week at the UN, because he thought, remember, he wanted to get a Nobel Prize this week for his speech at the UN, which, by the way, sounded like I don't know if you've ever been on an Adderall binge with a hippo, but what they sound like at the end of six days. Stop the worldwide socialism and the spread of that. The the press is making it was the most convoluted, longest, horrible. So anyway, of course, he thought he should have got a Nobel Prize because he is a four year old. But he was in front of uh, people instead of sycophants. Yeah, and they don't they don't play the way that is. But when no. he's in front of the sycophants and the paid Craigslist uh, out of the um, uh, Home Depot parking lot crowds that he gets going there, and uh, as you pointed out, there's a kind of a likelihood that the people who do travel around and go see him, we might be seeing the same people over I and over so. again. Um, in any case, whatever power he has over the crowds is what is what baffles and perplexes me. Um, I've seen Lenny Reifenstahl movies about. The rise of Nazism and you know glorifying the Nazi Party and the way she rolls the camera through on a track through the the giant throngs of people all with the eagles on their chest and the giant Roman standards snapping in the breeze and the big German sky and all that. Uh, well, I understand the power of the propaganda and 
what Jen said about her. She's indefensible. She's indefensible as a human, and she's a, an astonishing movie artist. But you don't choose the side of the devil and then go, hey, everybody, I'm still good, right? Um, but I don't get with the 45 rallies. What I do get is that the, his crowd responds to um, great pain mm-hmm. and great hatred. Uh, that those, They don't care if he ever says anything true because he never says mm-hmm. anything true. At the United Nations, he said people were coming up to him Different leaders of... Con- of but, you conti- know, to make things better takes effort. Yes, right. Or, or any thought or any focus or any study. He said, sir, it's terrible what's happening in your country to you. <laughs> and no one, I assure you, at the no. UN came up to him and went, no. sir, it's so bad for the United States. No. He makes these things up after yes. the thought. And like you say, it's from a complete privileged point of laziness. He's never read anything. He doesn't know the names of any other country. He had to be told, I heard this today on the news... When he was being told what impeachment was about, he had to be told that it, there had to be a majority vote in the Senate to carry the, uh-huh. after the trial took place. And he did not know that, even though he was fully a grown-up when it's just during the last two impeachments. That's why I think that Kamala Harris is the perfect person to go after this dude. As she says, dude's got to go. Um, her dad was from Jamaica. Her mother was from India. Her parents met when they were uh, getting their doctorates at Berkeley. Her parents split when she was seven. She was raised by her single mom in Berkeley, who was an activist. She says when she was little, she those are her first memories, is are going to protest with her mom. Right. Um, she was a prosecutor uh, whose focus was going after uh, child victims. Uh, in the Bay Area, then she became DA, then Attorney General, and now Senator. Right, and has never lost a race. I, I, I think you're right. It's, it's, for me, it's the joy, though. Um, when I when she's speaking, she can make a joke. She laughs at other people's jokes. Forty five doesn't make jokes. He only says terrible things about other people, and then we're all supposed to laugh, or he'll say a horrible lie, or he'll make a terrible insult against a woman. Um, he called. Biden this week, dumb as a bag of hammers, was it? Or was bag of rocks. A bag of rocks. Mm-hmm. Um, and he who, called the media scum. Scum. He's uh, called shift names. I mean, it's just... Little. Let's, little. We haven't even oh done God, little today. Oh God, There's little the with a hyphen today. and little with an... He doesn't know the difference between a hyphen and an apostrophe. He used uh, a hyphen. He called it an apostrophe. He misspelled I little. I can't. It's just... It's, and then got angry at CNN for correcting him. Um, he He... The idea that he went to college just screams the fact that uh, George W. Bush went to Harvard and Yale. That's all I can think of. <laughs> I think we, we've said it before, but the White House is going to have to be stripped down to the studs. Possibly is going to have to be fumigated, yeah. maybe burnt. I wouldn't live in it for four years. I really wouldn't. I would move to another secure place in D.C. because those walls are riddled with Russian bugs. We yes. know this now. Yes. I mean, we just know this. Yes. Um, Not also, to mention the the smell of, uh, uh, what is it, Whoppers or what is it, Big Macs? <laughs> hamburgers. Yeah. The, the, the delicious, well-done hamburgers that he slathers with ketchup <laughs> and the two scoops of ice cream and the diet soda and the Adderall. Uh I think you're going to have to move to a, a different location for a while. Yeah, and, the safe house. And what about building back up the State Department? But let's talk about all the groovy things that are going on this week. There's been a giant climate strike around the world. Now, I was in Canada last week, and they didn't have it last week, but they're having it this week. And you can go to globalclimatestrike.net. Um, 6.6 million people in counting this week. That's as of today on Friday. They had giant ones in Europe. Uh, um, Montre- this week, uh, the uh, I believe Greta spoke People at the one in, in Montreal LA today. People in L.A. revved their engines in support. <laughs> yeah, I burned a whole Stegosaurus <laughs> uh, in the back of the German car uh, just to show my support for the climate strike. Uh, but it, uh, it's just to point out that, um, one, it's a worthy thing to go uh, be involved in, and two... This is the power of young people raising their voices, much like with the kids from Florida, uh, it, to, to get this kind of ground uh, swell. And believe me, people listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do. When companies start stop selling guns because people are protesting, you know that that's something that's working. Um, the next thing you'll see with the... Uh, that was the, so powerful. And that seemed... There was a definite domino effect. And I, I really couldn't believe some of some of the stories that, that finally capitulated. Because that's money. And as we've discussed, yeah. they only the jokers only understand two things, and one also, of them is money. Also, the the people that wanted them there are scary. 
and they, would, oh my they didn't even you know to do that is is wild uh, can i read you this little thing here uh that uh, from um id vice or i is that an apostrophe or a hyphen really um, Greedith, and I believe it or not, her name is pronounced in Swedish. Is it Greedith Thunberg? But we're I, not going to do yeah, that. Yeah, I'm not going. Greta Thunberg is the only young climate activist you need to know. Um, Autumn Peltier, Little Miss Flint, and uh, Julia Bastida are just a few who have been advocating for their community and environment. Um, the article is on, as I say here, i-d.vice.com, um, and it's it's called uh, Greta Thunberg is the only young. Um, by the way, uh, Autumn Peltier. Uh, who's a member of the First Nations and lives in on, northern Ontario. Uh, she became an advocate when she found out her First Nation people had to boil their water. And she recently spoke at the UN Climate Action Summit as you, well. You can follow her awesome Instagram feed at autumn.peltier, which is P-E-L-T-I-E-R. Her, her tribe has given her an official title of, of war, I think, water warrior. That's fantastic. Yeah. Little Miss Flint you know of, of course. Mari Kopany. And she's 12 now. Um, of course, she started when she was eight. And she got to meet uh, Barack Obama. Mm-hmm. And she's made the cause um, unbelievable. Right now, she's uh, she's raising funds for water filters for her, uh, for her city. And as we know, it's not a problem uh, just in Flint. Oh, uh, there's so there's it's scandalous how many places don't have uh, drinking water. But I want to <coughs> make note: these are all um, girls, if I may be use the mm-hmm. phrase. Uh, I think Grid is sixteen. Uh, little Mary Mary is twelve. Mm-hmm. Um, Autumn Peltier is fourteen or fifteen, I think. Uh, and then uh, G Bastida is seventeen. She's in New York. She was raised in Mexico. Um, her hometown had droughts and flooding. After she came to New York four years ago, and she, um, uh, she was there for Sandy. Let's see. Here's what she says. People say the climate movement started decades ago, but I see it as an indigenous people protecting Earth thousands of years ago. We need to bring this philosophy back and weave it into today's society. Um, people are here not to take over life, but to take uh, care of it. It shouldn't be we the people. It should be we the planet. She's, her group is called Fridays for Future. And they were the ones who were meeting every Friday mm. and have been protesting. Sometimes people as few as one teenage girl sitting there. And then, of course, by the time it got to the climate strike this year, now it's millions. Oops, sorry. Now it's millions. My, I'm flailing wildly here, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I describe my movements to you. They're somewhat erratic. It's millions of people around the world. So... Carpe diem, you guys. Uh, if you have an idea... Oh, I think a, we have to. Oh, yeah. A righteous idea. I want to uh, bring up this this young girl. I, I think this story, yes, this story came out a, a few months ago, but it is now back in the news because it, it is so special and it's, it's so uplifting. Um, a nine-year-old Chiapas girl uh, named Shoshidal... Guadalupe Cruz invented a solar powered water heater from recycled materials. She said her family couldn't afford to buy a water heater, so she made one. I Wait, want... How old was she? <laughs> well, when she made it, she was eight. Now oh she's nine. She... So, because of this, she won an award from the Nuclear Sciences Institute in Mexico. Oh my God. Um, the thing that's, uh, you should watch the video of her because she's hilarious. Uh, hilariously matter of fact because she says oh i've been inventing since i was four and And then she shows how she made it it's a series of uh, discarded plastic bottles that she's painted black she's added tubing she and she installed it i think on her family's roof um and she's, she's just a tiny thing oh my god she's she's adorable and uh she's been given an award by mexico's biggest university Oh, thank God. At nine. I'm hoping um, that she's supported as much as humanly possible. All of these girls, uh, we're hoping, are going to save the world. It's a water heater made out of um, discarded refuse. Yes, everything's She painted recycled. the bottles black so that yeah. they could contain the heat in one. And it, it's my understanding that part of what made her system special was it's the series of black bottles. How did a nine-year-old sort that out? Well, well that, that's what I love. In the video, she seems to think, like, well, obviously. It was completely intuitive. Yes. Well, she's rather gifted. Obviously. It's not... I, I meant uh, her process is intuitive. I didn't mean that her doing it was intuitive in any way. She is obviously a genius. Yeah. And has learned um, 
so much by the age of nine that she was able... Well, of course, how old was she when she made the, <laughs> the water heater? Uh, she's someone that's been very exciting this week. Let's Can we talk about the Tonys at all? Or oh, wanna... yes, please. Um... Hiring can be a slow process. Cafe Altura COO Dylan Miskowitz needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company, but he was having trouble finding qualified applicants. So he switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates Supply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his opponents so he could focus on the most relevant ones. And that's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. C. Why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash smart. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash smart. ZipRecruiter.com slash smart. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I thank you, and the smartest men in the world podcast thanks you. Billy Porter, who plays Pray Tell on the show Pose, um, had an historic win as the first openly gay black man to be nominated and win for lead actor in a drama series. Wait a minute. Let's just roll that back a little bit. <laughs> We're talking about the Tony Awards, right. right? This is actors and... Emmys, Greg. Oh, sorry. What did I say? Tony. I'm sorry, the Emmys. So we're talking about show He's business. He's already won a Tony. Right. He has his Tony for Kinky Boots. Uh, we're talking about show business here. And you're saying... In all the years of the Emmys, a gay black man's never won an Emmy. An openly gay black man. Well, there's that. But I mean, wowzers, McTavish. Yeah, and he he's such a, a fabulous advocate. And he got up on stage and he said, his character always says the category is. And the show opens with him saying that. It's pray tell. And so he got up on stage and says, the category is love. And then he quoted James Baldwin, and then he said, I have the right, you have the right, we all have the right. And it was just beautiful. It was magnificent. He's talked a lot this week, too, about uh, all the years of self-loathing and being put down and being told he wasn't in the right place, being told he wasn't the right person, being he told he wasn't the right color. He never thought he'd be able to uh, play a love scene on TV. Right? Well, to give you an idea of what Pose is, if you haven't seen it, it's a show about uh, trans people living in New York and gay people living in New York putting on balls in the early 80s. Balls meaning these uh, gigantic affairs where on the weekend all these people don't live, aren't rich people. They all live together in communities called um, houses, uh, such as the House of Evangelista and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And um, they put their money together and they pool their resources and they make their own costumes and they have these giant balls where they wear different kinds of drag. And so the category is, refers to the drag they're wearing. So the category is real, the category is office. They'll do business people. They'll mm -hmm. do mm -hmm. wild drag queen stuff. They'll do every kind of... It's um, If you've seen a movie called Paris is Burning, it's, so it's a fantastic documentary about that scene then. Artistic and mind-blowing. And also the, the bravery, you know? Mm. The, the community and the bravery and the, the creativity... The show's really it's good beautiful. because... Maybe next year we'll see a trans woman win. Right. An actual trans woman playing a trans woman. The, um, the, the conceit of the show is so beautiful because Ryan Murphy was able, with his gigantic TV power, to get a show on that's a melodrama about um, the AIDS epidemic and, mm -hmm. and gay and trans people living in New York in the early 80s, which has been largely skipped over on network TV. Well, what makes it so compelling and watchable is that they are a band together. They they uh, support each other, and uh, through all of what they're up against. I right. mean, we're we're in a time where there is an epidemic of trans women being murdered. Oh, absolutely. And especially uh, trans women of color, because they often have jobs that put them in danger. Right. Right. And. Uh, well, and also because they're not supported. No, and the police don't care. And uh, no, so it's it's very powerful. I think it's 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 lovely to see it. I said the Tonys. Wow, what wow. month am I on? I don't know. Greg. It just You're seemed behind the Tonys. when Billy Porter was there. It seemed like the Tonys. So his then, hat. He was, wore. Oh my everything god! Everything he does. Everything is magnificent. he wears. Yeah, his um, Instagram. Feed also, is uh, 
Jarrell Jerome popcorn. <laughs> one for when they see us, which is uh, profound at any time. Uh, the the subject of, of uh, that miniseries by Ava DuVernay was about the exonerated five who were wrongly accused. And uh, it's, it's so intense for it to be nominated while Orange 45 is president because he actually called for their execution. And these men are uh, free men. And the man who played Corey Wise, he won and he was the first Afro Latino man to win an and Emmy. Emmy ever. Yes. Wow. Which is just unbelievable. And he, uh, he was lovely in his acceptance speech, and he, after thanking his mother, he thanked um, the exonerated five who were all there and uh, were very moved, especially the man he played, Corey Wise, who, uh, since he's been out, funded the Corey Wise Innocence Project at Colorado Law School, which offers free legal counsel to those wrongly convicted. Isn't that extraordinary? Yes. And as you know, the justice system is a, an enormous, um, you know, grinder meant to squash down everybody in the underclass, meaning black people and Latin people, people, trans people, gay people, people of color, women, um, to make sure that they're smooshed underneath and that they don't have any recourse. The five you're referring to was a famous case called the Central Park Five, and they were accused of raping a woman, something they did not do. And they maintained their innocence of, and they were chased down and hounded down by the legal forces in New York City uh, until they were incarcerated. And then a man finally came forward and was confessed. And so they were all exonerated and released from jail. It's an amazing story of justice uh, served, however late. During this whole trial process, one um, businessman from New York went out of his way to put full-page ads in the New York Times calling for their execution, and that was 45. It's just so shocking and and vile. Um, I wanted to He would not believe that there could be a shred of proof that they were innocent of this, that they were being railroaded, that didn't occur to him, that the system might be against them, that that didn't occur to him, that anything could be wrong with just clapping them in jail and killing them as soon as possible. Much like this week, he suggested that the whistleblower be executed so that that would solve his problems. He looks at things the way Tony Soprano looks at things, but without the poetry of the dialogue. Uh, one of the, the things that uh, I wanted nice to mention country you got here. was um, that uh, Jerome said, not only did Ava DuVernay have the guys on the, the set. Right. The yeah. actual Central Park Five. Yeah. Uh, but uh, after he won the award, Jerome was asked about the the painfulness of the topic. Mm. And he said, it is uh, difficult to watch, but it's what people of color go through on a daily right? basis. A little bit of truth on yeah. TV. Yeah. And by the way, Ava DuVernay has a TV series called Queen Sugar, which I really enjoy. And every episode is directed by a woman. That's true. And it's never been nominated for an Emmy. Oh, come on. You know, let's not have too many firsts. You're kind of over. You're making me nervous here. I'm going to the Jeff Beauregard Session School of William Barr Denial. Gosh, I wish I was in Italy with Bill Barr. What do you think he's doing? Seeing the sights in a gondolier? What? And he's just. He, you know what? He's smart enough to know that um, he's in some deep water, baby, because he. Well, he tried to run Clinton into the ground when he had that ball. If it's not prison for all of them, uh, if they all run off to Russia. Oh, there's that. I love that theory. I love that they're going to live in Russia like Edward Snowden or whatever. Then there's Saudi Arabia like Idi Amin, that most despotic of despotic dictators. Someone that uh, I think 45 would aspire to be because Idi Amin got to actually act out all the weird things that... Oh, God. D- Donald Trump always says. Uh, ever so briefly, uh, um, Tommy Smith and John Carlos um, were two famous Olympic athletes. In the 1968 Olympics, to protest what was going on in the United States uh, in that wildly violent um, summer of uh, unrest, what the police called rioting, but what I think everyone else would say is, as you just said, what happens to black people, meaning the police come into your neighborhoods and things went bananas. They both stood on the stand with their gold and bronze medal took off their shoes, put on a black glove, one on either hand, and threw their fists in the air. And the um, other cat that was on the stand with them was an Australian mm-hmm. who eventually passed away. But their names are Tommy Smith and John Carlos. Um, they're going to get 
The United States Olympic and Paralympic Committee is bestowing the highest honor on two of the world's most iconic activists. The USOPC Hall of Fame's induction class will be formally honored November 1st at Colorado Springs. Um, and, fantastically, you'll recognize some of these names here because they're all inconceivably famous and fabulous. Um, the basketball player, Lisa Leslie, who's one of the great mm. pioneers of the um, WNBA. Nastya Luikin, the beach volleyball player, Misty May Trainer, who you may remember um, from the Summer Olympics. Um, Apollo Anton Ono, mm-hmm. uh, um, and swimmer Dara Torres, and the 1998 U.S. Olympic women's ice hockey team are all going in mm. the hall. But you have to remember, these people were expelled. Um, uh, John Carlos and Tommy Smith were basically... Uh, expunged from uh, uh, being in it any kind of... It was such a famous or- moment. And the idea that people were shocked by it. My father had a heart attack. I was watching it on TV really? in my living room. It was the Mexico City Olympics. Um, Smith uh, ran... Well, it was the 200 meters. And um, he won, Tommy Smith. And John Carlos finished third. Well, there's the picture. So you can see they, they have it on opposite. Mm-hmm. Smith's wearing the black glove on his right hand. Mm-hmm. And Carlos is wearing it on his left hand. They got up on the podium... And um, uh, I, my dad freaked out. He thought that that was so horrible. The same thing you hear now, Jennifer. How dare they um, politicize this obviously unpolitical event? Um, the Olympics was too sacred for them to do that. Um, they were exerting their blackness in a white space, too, mm-hmm. which was what mostly he was freaked out about. I think that that he'd never seen it. He uh, was having to watch it. He, yep. And that I... Being eight years old or seven was thrilled to bits. Right. Watched the whole Olympics was out of my mind with enthusiasm. Couldn't believe how great it was that Tommy Smith and John Carlos won. I knew who they were because I'd been watching it for several days. Mm-hmm. And in those days, they showed all the um, heats and everything. Um, Bob Beeman jumped out of the pit almost in Mexico City. Kip Kane won the mile. I remember all these things off the top of my head. I'm not looking them up how from having well- watched it. Exactly, and and uh, how wonderful that those men uh, decided to do that, make that gesture. They've been. Uh, oh, Roby was uh, um, uh, the other. Let's see. No, no, that's got another guy. Sorry. Uh, yes, it's fantastic, and um, they, they the, the whole idea that the Olympics aren't political is absolutely the most absurd thing in the world. It's like saying the Democratic National Convention isn't political. Um, <laughs> The Olympics uh, are a forum for one, the country that's putting them on, i.e. we've seen it in Russia, like the World Cup. Um, it's also uh, a place that we boycotted the 1980 Olympics because the Russians invaded Afghanistan. That was Jimmy Carter. Then the Russians boycotted the 1984 Olympics in Los Angeles, which was the awesome Flojo Carl uh, um, Lewis Olympics, mm-hmm. where we dominated everything, but we didn't have the competition of the uh, the Russian weird professional machine athletes that they used to throw up against us with their roidy roid primitive roids. Um, so the, the idea that it's not, I like the idea that anything isn't political. Jesus Christ, a sandwich is political. Whatever you put in the sandwich, the ingredients dictate the politics of it. Only an entitled person thinks. Things aren't political. Yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, if I like mayonnaise and you like mustard, um, I'm drawing swords. <laughs> Can I talk about where we're going to be? Because I want to get a little plug no. in here. Wow. <laughs> All right. Yes, I won't. All right. Thank you. Uh, um, we are on the road with Who's Live Anyway, and um, we're back out there punching away again. We'll have just been in Canada, so thank you, Alberta. And thank you, the duty free with maple cookies because uh, oh, those are good. They're really good. They're oh, I get the two kinds um, at all the snack shacks as you're leaving Canada, and the duty free there's um, maple cookies. So they're maple cookies shaped like a maple leaf and then filled with maple cream. There's either the white ones and then the, the chocolate ones. And if you make tea with these. I'm telling you, it's the best gift you can... I've never... Get the kind of reaction I get. Mm. You can spend a million dollars, but if you give someone mm-hmm. a box of these maple cookies, mm-hmm. they rip them open. They go over quite well. The first two, they get down their mouth. They're like, this is incredible, because you can't really find them in the States. Maybe they're somewhere. Well, I, I, yeah, we don't really do the maple as much as Canada. No, you got to go to Vermont and all those places. you got to go to up to, uh, uh, you know, where... Uh, Yankee country because that's or Red Sox Nation country. That's where all of a sudden everything's made. Here we're more a dolce de leche. When I played Vermont, yeah, we're we're a little more dolce de leche, avocado based life forms. (laughs) When I played uh, um, Vermont, Burlington a couple years ago, 
at the podcast I got maple coffee, maple jam, maple syrup. Didn't maple... somebody give you a gallon of maple syrup at t- Comedy Bar in Toronto? Which might be a little difficult to put in your suitcase. That was the I best gift I've ever got. I did a weekend where did I played... they think you might be using it during the weekend? That right. You needed a... That much syrup? Well, one, as Doug Benson says, one, doing maple shots. But two, yeah. you can take baked goods and put them uh, maple syrup in a bowl and just dunk them in, in the syrup, which is a really, you're kind of an impromptu churro, which is, by the way, the name of my new band. <laughs> impromptu churro. Impromptu churro is the new, uh, is the name of my new band. And our, our first hit song is um, Flan, 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 You've Been Flan for So Long. Wow. And yeah, it all went south. Um, wow. So we're back on the road, and uh, the delicious maple cookies are uh, born in. But now we're back in the good old U.S. of A. Oh, well, oh, well. I feel so good today because of my just touchdown on an international runway. We're going to be in Waukegan, Illinois on October 3rd. That's my birthday. I'm going to be 26. And uh, <laughs> now in its 24th, 34th, he's 100, ladies and gentlemen. Let's celebrate his centenary. Today, I consider myself... The luckiest man on the face. Really? Though I've been given a bad break, I've got an awful lot to be thankful for. October 4th, we'll be in South Bend, Indiana. That's the home of stuff. October 5th, uh, we'll be at the Braden Auditorium and my favorite town name that we play, Normal Illinois. (laughs) It's not really. Um, And I don't think we're even staying in normal. And it's not knock on normal. I just think there's better accommodations in an abnormal place nearby. Hmm. Then we'll be at the Rialto Square in Joliet, Illinois, which is a lovely um, name for a town and a fun place. Then we're going to Fort Wayne, Indiana. That's October 8th. Uh, October 9th, we'll be in Davenport, Iowa. I have played more places in Iowa with this group than I've ever been to Iowa in my life. We've played Cedar Fall. Which one? Are we Rapids or Falls in Iowa? One of them. I think Cedar Falls in Iowa, and it is rapid in Michigan. Um, and then, um, is it? Have we played Dubuque? What's the other big city? There's a, in, in Iowa. In Iowa, yeah. There's like the, we should know the the primaries are going to start there. Uh, it's, well, as Senator Harris said, she's moving to fucking Iowa. Yeah, I'm moving to fucking Iowa. Cause I'm moving to fucking Davenport on October fucking ninth. We'll be at the Adler Theater, named after. Um, uh, the great uh, psychiatrist Kurt, um, and composer Kurt Herbert Adler. October 11th will be at the, the, the Forbes, the J. Pierpont Forbes Theater. I love when places are called this. The Forbes Center for the Performing Arts. Hi, I'm a deceased millionaire whose family took over this area <laughs> and destroyed the natural splendor and suppressed the indigenous people. Now I invite you to enjoy a subscription to my Center for the Performing Arts, where week after week, bands from the 80s and TV groups from the 90s will be performing in succession. We hope you enjoy the show, and we hope you're white. October 11th, that's Davenport, Iowa. Oh, no, wait, that's um, Harrisonburg, VA. Harrisonburg. Now, you've lived in Virginia before. Where is Harrisonburg? I don't know. And, by the way, it's not Harrisonburg with a B-U-R-G-H. It's Harrisonburg with a B-U-R-G. Wait. Yeah, what? Uh, yeah, we don't know what rules what? they're playing by. October 12th, Saturday, we'll be at um, North Bethesda, Maryland. So what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to go to Maryland and find Bethesda and then turn the car north and head toward North Bethesda. And that one's the music center at Strathmore. Then we're in Minneapolis on the 13th at... Um, the, one of the great names that so many theaters have, the Pantages. Then in October, it carries on. Um, Newark, the 18th. Muncie, Indiana, the 19th. Right, why am I stopping on Muncie, Indiana, I hear you ask. Um, because that show in Muncie, Indiana, on October 19th, Saturday, will have not only uh, me, myself, uh, Jeff Davis, uh, Joel Murray, and Ryan Stiles, uh, with Bob Durkatch as our musical director, we will have... Um, TV uh, funny man Drew Carey there and uh, noted comedian uh, David Foley from Kids in the Hall as well. So we're going to have a six-hander in Muncie, Indiana. It's at a giant auditorium called the Emmons Auditorium. I think we're on the university. So that show's going to be a rip snorker, you guys. Um, Then we're in uh, North Carolina on the 24th in Greensboro, the 25th in Birmingham, the 26th in Huntsville. Those are with David Foley. Uh, The other preceding ones were with Ryan Stiles. And then... um, well, anyway, look at our new website at whoslive.com. And one last thing, Jennifer, because I know you want to hear it. Here we go. 
on uh, the 2nd of October. We'll be in uh, the Hydro Center in Glasgow with The Nightmare Before Christmas sung live to film with John Macherry on The Baton, Danny Elfman, Catherine O'Hara, and Ken Page. And I couldn't be more excited because Catherine O'Hara was nominated for an Emmy but did not win one, sadly. That is shocking. Well, we'll get to make it up to her by... She is fabulous. ...plying her with rosé wine in Glasgow. (laughs) And then um, the 4th and 5th will be at um, London... And I believe Jennifer will be there, too. Uh, that'll be uh, the 4th and 5th, and that's at... Oh, I can't remember. That's the Oak, Oakso or some bloody thing. What, in London? Yeah. It's oh, Wembley. Wembley, Greg. I forgot. You know that little venue? Yeah, it's tiny. It's hard to remember. We're going to be at Wembley. Um, not the big football stadium, but the other one, the arena. And then the 8th, we're going to Dublin. That's right, Dublin. Um, and that has a weird corporate name, too. By the way, the show is really fantastic. We show the picture. Jennifer's seen this like a hundred times now. Uh, We show the picture, and um, there's a gigantic overture and everything. It's just lovely. The Three Arena in Dublin. And um, John comes out in his tuxedo, and he goes, Ladies and gentlemen, live film to picture. The Nightmare Before Christmas. And it's just... And then... Then the... uh, that's a, a done over a, um, a series of uh, drawings and renderings that Tim Burton made for the original mm-hmm. idea. Then when the, the picture starts, uh, it's the actual picture, and then we come marching out and do the uh, uh, opening number of This is Halloween, and then it's off to the races. Then uh, Danny comes out, then Catherine comes out, Ken Page comes out. Um, it's really good fun. It is. Is there an intermission? There is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you got to stock up on candy. Well, because right, you got to gorge on candy in between or go uh, refill. It's it's really good fun. The movies the movies still um, unbelievably um, stunningly beautiful to watch because of the um, stop motion photography that Henry Selick brought to it, um, the amazing design uh, that Tim brought to it, and the humor. Let's be honest. Uh, thank God there's a million monsters. There's a close up of a rat in one scene. <laughs> I mean, and then there's there goes Christmas. Our friend Debbie Durst does, voices the dead baby, um, and it, it's just it's just the greatest fun I've ever had. So visit us there. Those are the dates. Uh, moving on. Oh, can I uh, uh, read from Jonathan K. Parts? Uh, he did an editorial for the Washington Post about. Uh, the two women that are gone and the headline is two women at the heart of the civil rights movement have died rest in power. The foot soldiers of the civil rights movement are leaving us after organizing and marching, sitting in and getting arrested all on the noble effort to make this nation live up to its ideals. They are going to their eternal home this month. Juanita Abernathy and Emily England Clyburn Mm. were the latest to pass away. On Monday, Abernathy's life will be celebrated in Atlanta, and Clyburn will be laid to rest in Charleston, South Carolina. That was last week. Yeah. Um, Clyburn was the wife of 58 years of Representative James Clyburn of South Carolina, the House Majority Whip. The two were students at South Carolina State University and met after he was arrested during a civil rights demonstration on campus. The congressman recounted what happened at the courthouse hearing. We had been in jail all night, and they hadn't fed us all day. I was standing there, and I said to nobody in particular, boy, am I hungry. There was this little 95-pound person standing nearby. (laughs) Next thing, she is back with a hamburger. She offered it to me, then pulled it back. She tore it in half, gave me one half, and kept the other half for herself. We were married a year later. And in another interview, uh, he said... She got me for half a hamburger, mm-hmm. which is hilarious. He's still in Congress, is he not? Uh, oh, he he very much is. He wanted to retire, as you know, she was ill, and she said, "No, you can't. You have more work to do." Yeah. Uh, Doctor Emily, as she was called, uh, spent twenty nine years as a medical librarian. Uh, she was a philanthropist who raised money for students to attend her and her husband's alma mater. And I believe she, she raised a huge sum. Right. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> it's a little smoky in here. It can get that way. Uh, oh, yeah. They, a uh, million point seven. Wow. Uh, and is that they donated personally. Um, she was a force in her husband's career in public service and a truth teller. I just wonder when they are going to stop talking about South Carolina's problems and start doing something about them, she said. Uh, 
Juanita Abernathy was, and this is Jonathan K. Pristel, mm-hmm. was a hidden figure in the civil rights movement. She's credited with writing the business plan for the 1955 Montgomery bus boycott that lasted 381 days and turned the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr. into a national leader in the fight for equality for African Americans. Her baby. She and her husband, Ralph Abernathy, were best friends with King and his wife, Coretta Scott King. Ralph Abernathy was King's confidant, mentor, and right-hand man, and he was by King's side on the balcony of the motel in Memphis on April 4th, 1968, when the shot rang out. Uh, In this article, there's a photo of uh, Coretta Scott King and uh, Juanita Abernathy leaving the jail, and they're the most glamorous... Sunglasses, gloves, bags, earrings, white gloves... Yeah. Long coats, pearls. They're just... No, they're amazing. It's so easy to be humble when you read about um, mm-hmm. Emily Clyburn and Wendy and Abernathy, and, of course, their husbands, who are also both staunch. Mm-hmm. Um, the pain and the horror, the terror, everything they had to go through, the, having to organize, um, watching all the the murder and assassination of people around you, and still being that strong to come through into this era when all of a sudden... You know, the when they see us um, president is mm-hmm. there, the one who calls for people's execution and whatnot, mm-hmm. and is so summary. As he ends this uh, column, what a privilege it was to have spent time with Wendina Abernathy and M- Emily England Clyburn. They were women of their time, strong, opinionated, savvy, and proud. They saw, sacrificed, and endured a lot as they worked to make this nation more just, fair, and free. Each was the foundation of her husband's strength. They are owed our gratitude. I don't think there's any way to improve on that. With all the teenage heroes we were talking about and with Emily Clyburn and Juanita Abernathy in mind, it's time for us all to stride into that next gray dawn and make everything good again. Um, I think you've seen that um, the rallies about gun control, the rallies about climate, and um, how corrupt 45 is are all coming to fruition and paying People off. People are galvanized and things are, are moving ahead. Um, let's get it on, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, Sid Haig is a swirling in the heavens. He's Sid- playing drums on this song, which was number four, I think, in California. Oh, yeah, and didn't see a dime from it. You may remember Sid Haig from Jackie Brown, the Rob Zombie movies, A Thousand Monster Spider Movies. Spider Baby. Yeah, where he plays an unforgettable role opposite <laughs> Lon Chaney. Um, he was an Armenian cat and a cool uh, guy, and everyone loves him, and he is swirling in the heavens. And I wish you guys... Nothing. Oh, yeah, that's the needle dropping on the record. Um, This is Jennifer and Greg saying goodbye, and we wish you nothing but love. May every page you turn be a satchel page. May every bell that rings be be a cool papa bell. And if you have to buy bonds, make sure they're berry bonds. Guests of the smartest man in the world, Proofcast, stay at Greg's house and use their car for their own transportation. <laughs>